I believe that's Jesse Brown on the line. It sure is. Jesse, welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. And this is, first I'm your host, Alan Wozni. And this is actually episode number 106, or 106. And this is our, uh, probably my fourth or fifth now in the social distancing or remote, uh, remote connection. So Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Alan. Happy to be here. So Jesse, just uh, just a quick background. Uh, you know, maybe we can talk later about COVID nineteen, but really, just a little bit of background about No Geo and uh, a little bit about Jesse Brown. Yeah, for sure. So No Geo is a real estate technology company, um, or prop tech as it's referred to. Yeah. Uh, and we developed an immersive data visualization and analytics platform um, that combines location intelligence and property information to drastically improve the way the market is explored and understood. Um, and although our technology has applications in basically every real estate vertical, um, we're focused right now on solutions for the commercial real estate brokerage and asset asset manager segments. So you're talking like if if I'm looking, I mean, I have to do a Google Maps or whatever. You're linked. Does it does your API link with Google Ma- Maps or something? I mean, maybe I'm just a little bit overthinking this. <laughs> no, no, of course. Um, so our flagship product is called 3D CRE. Um, and 3D CRE is a SaaS platform that lets commercial real estate offices tell compelling and data-driven stories that help them yeah. stand out in client interactions, improve sales efficiency, and win more deals. Um, and, and the way we do that is actually all through proprietary methods. Um, so we map a city so that we can understand and visualize it in 3D space. Um, right. And we also have a pr- proprietary methods where we integrate with customer data and basically allow them to showcase where it exists in the real world. So that integration with their existing data, that's, that's a kind of a tech thing where you, you pull their data and then make it work together with your software or what's, how, how is that? Yeah, exactly. So as you can imagine, like every single client has different ways of storing their data, um, yeah. whether it's just naming the same thing differently yeah. um, or having different types of data, um, it, it really changes between customers. Um, which is one of our secret sauces and, and it all comes back to the GIS or the, the geospatial component of our business is if you think of real estate information, it, it always has a location attribute. So if you're talking about where data that's attached to a building or a floor that yeah. exists in space, that building, you know, doesn't move. Um, yeah. So because we understand the location so well, uh, we can attach the data to that building and to that floor. So the so this is you're talking with the measurement like you're talking with the data being the measurements of that say the room or the floor or the building. Uh, so actual like lease information, um, building oh. owner name, availabilities, uh, tax assessed value, you name it. Um, okay. We can we can basically integrate and analyze against any type of data that uh, can be attributed to a building or a floor. Okay, so the, for me the naive question is why is does this not exist in MLS or the, is that multiple listing service real estate, you know, that crab or all those different. So don't they have this data? Yes. Yeah, so there's really, I guess, three things to that. So the first, <laughs> sorry. Sorry to throw no, no. In a loop there. no, of course. No, I, it's, I mean, it's my baby. I love talking about it. Yeah. Um, so the first is uh, commercial data is very different than residential data. So residential, you have your MLS, um, you have this centralized repository for information that basically right. anyone can pull up and access. Right. Um, the commercial space is, space is much different. So the two biggest differentiators in commercial real estate is obviously your relationship. So if you're working with a broker and they know you well, that's yeah. a long-term value. Um, but the second is information. So the data there is a lot more siloed. If you ask 10 different commercial real estate brokers, okay, what offices are available? Right. You'll, get 10, you'll get 10 different answers. Um, so that's a big component of it. 
Um, and the second is really our 3D. So if you imagine like a virtual representation of a building um, in 3D on your computer, yeah. uh, that's what's called a digital twin. Um, and basically because we have that ability to generate these digital twins, yes, we can turn the static information that you would see in a database or a spreadsheet, which if I'm start quoting you rental rates and, and showing you um, showing you lines in a database when you're trying to look for space, they don't really yeah. mean mean anything to you because real estate data is so contextually dependent on its location. Um, so by attaching it to that 3D representation in like a cityscape where it's where it exists in the real world, um, we, we can take that static database information and, and turn it into interactive and intuitive insights. Um, and that, that really comes back to like what our core goal is, which is like turning databases and spread or making databases and spreadsheets understandable for ordinary, ordinary people. Right. Um, so, the, so to back to the point, because so I guess I was confused because MLS is for residential, but commercial is proprietary for individual owners, I guess. Is that how is that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's the obviously the asset side. So that's the information about a building, like how much it's worth when it last sold. Um, yeah. Some of that's publicly available through the city, um, but in the actual commercial brokerage space, so very similar to residential, if, if you're looking for office space, you go to a broker um, yeah. to help you find what's available and to obviously negotiate the deal and everything that happens in residential. Uh, the issue is the siloed data component of it is, is that there isn't an MLS in commercial real estate. So it right. makes that information proprietary to each brokerage as opposed to MLS where you kind of everything's available on the same sites. So on a simple level, then if I've got a property and go on the other side, both sides, you are, you're a platform to bring the both parties together. Is that how it works? Very much so. Yeah. So there's numerous use cases with our technology. Um, customers use it in the broker to client relationship. So they do pitch presentations with it. Yeah. Um, they create um, market reports with it to share with clients. Um, but it's also used as a visual interface within their actual offices. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tableau, um, but they were a 15 plus billion dollar data visualization company uh, acquired by Salesforce. Um, okay. we, we position ourselves as Tableau specifically made for property data. Um, and, you know, real estate is the largest asset class in the world. And we feel that it needs its own data, like specially made data visualization and analytics software. Um, right. It takes into that importance of data. And of course, the oldest adage in real estate is location, location, location. Um, you're putting the two together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So you're, let's go back to your history. Cause I mean, are you a tech guy and you brought in some real estate guys or your real estate guy that's brought in tech guys? I mean, just, just for my, for my clarity, maybe the listener or two. No, yeah, absolutely. So I, I was a finance major in university, um, but I had started two tech startups before I got to Nogio. Right. Um, one of them went well, one of them not so much. Um, but I had previously worked with a large multifamily owner, so a large uh, apartment um, owner and manager. Yeah. Uh, so that was my first real exposure to the huge data sets and spreadsheets and like the resulting ineffective communication of that information in the real estate industry. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of like how we got to Nojo, like it really started with a 2D map and, you know, fr frustration with that 2D map. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for a new apartment and yeah. like, I'm sh like I'm sure everyone knows, like if you go to a listing site, whether it's rentfaster, realtor.com, yeah. it's always the same stylized push pin on a 2D map to tell you where the listings are. Yeah. And this is an industry like going back to how important location is they use the exact same maps that you use to, for navigation. Like I, they have Google maps on there with the little 
this is where it is. And I use the same technology to find out how to get to a restaurant, which I think is absolutely insane. Like if location <laughs> is this important, why are you using that same technology? Um, and so like, it, it, and then as I started digging more into it, it, it came to like the thesis that, you know, we understand our world in 3D and especially in cities with taller buildings where like so much real estate data exists in 3D space, yeah. like it's not yeah. flat. Um, so once I started digging into that and realized intuitive visualization was an immense issue in all real estate verticals, like residential and commercial alike, um, right. that's, that's when NoGeo was born. So this, I mean, I, I, this, this whole geolocator, I mean, it's that, that's not really, for me, it sounds like if, if I look at your name, NoGeo, I was thinking geolocating spatial, you know, spatial awareness, but you're bringing that spatial awareness to a different level, like from the as you said, the data, but also visual and the locator is just an extra thing on there. Is that maybe I'm just wrong. I'm, you know, I'm th thinking out loud here, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, where, where the Uber goes, how to pick you up. That's, as you said, that's the same technology exists for going to the restaurant, for where you are on the streets and, and so forth. But you're bringing, you're marrying three pieces. You've got the data, the locator, plus the 3D visual. Is that how, does that my understanding, right? Yeah, exactly. That's hitting right on the head. So the the okay. So that when you how long have you guys been to, around? I mean, what 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 got you? What was the genesis of say, I want to do this? Are you looking uh, for <laughs> yeah. So going back to that story, that was really when I realized the applicability um, to the real estate industry. And to be honest, I was shocked that something didn't already exist. Um, yeah. So it, it was a lot of research and a lot of customer discovery, a lot of conversations. Um, to narrow down exactly where we wanted to build first. Um, sometimes when you have technology that's, that's you know, you see is, is valuable in a lot of different segments, you can kind of get almost clouded by all the opportunities and end up building something for no one because you tried to build something for everyone. Yes. Uh, so there was about a year long period where it was just hitting the pavement, determining whether residential or commercial was going to be our beachhead, talking to asset managers, trying to figure out how we built the product um, obviously leveraging the 3D data visualization, but how do we build a product into it with the analytics and highlight what's important? Um, and then uh, the tech team came on just a little over a year ago and it's basically, we built the product. Uh, we just launched in uh, December and right. you know, things have been going amazingly since then. So let, so for, for the, I'm just going back to a discussion I had with, it was Mike McCara. I, if he, he, was re, he was working for Real Office 360. He recently switch to a prop tech uh, Ven Ven capital Ven do you know do you, i don't know if you know mike or not oh yeah he's a great friend <laughs> okay yeah. so that, you know and it, and i'm fascinated and he said a similar thing i didn't realize when he did the three real office 360 here's an opportunity and it's kind of like the white space of nobody was doing this but if for me when i look at i step back i'm not a realtor or real estate guy but that the property tech or prop tech is going a million miles an hour. And I, I, I have friends in property real estate and I send them, you know, investment uh, announcements almost weekly or daily sometimes. Mm -hmm. So how, yeah. how did you find that narrow niche? And I'm thinking the U.S. is a massive market. Surely, and I'm not, you know, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just sure there must be something in the U.S. they're doing this or uh, some, similarly. No, I mean, so going back to like the first side, uh, like PropTech's booming, um, but real estate was super slow to adopt new technologies. Um, and even right. then, it's probably still only right now in the first inning. And that's like a popular term in the PropTech industry. Like yeah. it might it might feel like we're finally like heading up the wave, but it's still sure. so early because 
you know, it is the largest asset class. It impacts, you know, the climate, it impacts people's lives. It's overarching all around us all the time. Um, and you can think of like everything from sensors to IOT to apps right. to connecting neighborhoods. Like it all sort of falls loosely under the umbrella of prop tech. So I think we're really just in the early goings of feel like of, of adopting that. Um, and because real estate was slow, uh, that's why you kind of see like all the investments running into it now, because it's finally, there's been a mentality shift. Um, right. Real estate companies are starting to realize if we don't adapt, we'll die. Uh, so seeing them embrace that has been obviously very positive for us. Uh, yeah. but, but within the US and, and whether or not there's there's someone else doing that, actually predominantly most of our business and prospects are, are in the US. Um, and luckily the actual biggest competitive advantage for us is the ability to do floor analytics. So that's basically attaching data at the floor level. So not at the building level. Um, yeah. And these commercial or these real estate companies have like 20 times more floor level data than they do building level data. Uh, so, so you're oh, talking, you're talking the, the architectural designs, which are probably 2D or 1D. I mean, it's literally, is that what you're talking about? Uh, not necessarily. If you imagine a building, let's say it's 30 floors, if you have building yeah. level data, all you need is a building, like a 3D building. But right. if you think about all the tenants within that building, all the availability, all of it exists in 3D space. Like if you said, okay, where is that building? And you imagine on yeah. a map, it would just be a single yeah. push pin, right? But if you said, yeah. where are those 30 offices? You'd get 30 push pins all in the same spot um, and you wouldn't be able to tell everything <laughs> from it. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, yeah, the 30,000 or 30 floors, you've got numerous. I mean, some some tenants have three or four floors, some have one, the corner, and then there's different build outs. You've got all unique, you know, the the uh, leasehold improvements or whatever you want to call them. Exactly. So, exactly. So how do you capture how do you capture that floor level then? So that's actually we have that process patented and that 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 comes into why there isn't necessarily anyone else doing this is we yeah. actually patented the IP that allows us to understand where floors exist in space and attach yeah. data to them, um, nice. which is when you start talking to, you know, the commercial real estate brokerages, the residential, the asset managers, because so much of their data exists at the floor level, we're just in a unique position to provide them value because we're the only technology right now that can attach and analyze against that sub building data. Okay. So I'm thinking, and then again, I'm going to take your secret sauce and, and <laughs> make something from it that the data that you're pulling the say let's call it pdf file or an excel spreadsheet it's got segment it's got the details on the measurements and so forth that then you pull that and, and you create a floor level plan based on what the specs that they provide you <laughs> so very close um we actually <laughs> so, so without we, photo, but i mean without photos right without photos what's next the, the data and you and you're, you're calling the data i i don't i don't want to you know I, I think i'm just sort of speculating here but i think that's that would make sense to me yes yeah exactly we we, we understand a city and then we attach data to it is the easiest way to understand it like it, if you basically we turn um a floor on a 3d building into a data row in excel brilliant you know i think of this as an accountant i love excel spreadsheets and I, you know, when, and the api when someone i was at a, one of my earlier podcasts and he had a whiteboard behind uh rick uh, rick hugh from viva metrica and he's like and had all api it was kind of a planning board and the SaaS and and different things and and literally 
you know, I pick up these terms, but it, they actually make a lot of sense. And I know you're picking up the API of all your different clients, the commercial, the data, and then you're using it, you're, you're reading or you're talking. I mean, that's, that's the tech term. You probably understand that better than I do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the other thing I wanted to ask you, Jesse, and, and this is, came to mind, because the, the retail space in Calgary, the commercial side is very, at least before the COVID crisis, there was a lot, as I understood, there's a lot of excess and repurposing real estate seemed to be a re- real trend. Are you seeing that in some of your, like in your, your research and things like that, like repurposing existing instead of new builds? Yes. Yeah. So it's definitely um, already happening in Calgary. And I think we're on the precipice of it happening more um, that I felt that before COVID, I have no idea what's going to happen now. <laughs> There's been a lot of uncertainty in the market introduced. Right. Uh, but yeah, the downtown office market have a, has a 25 plus percentage vacancy rate. There's two, enormous buildings sitting completely vacant. Uh, oil is doing the opposite of coming back. Uh, yeah. prim- prim- primarily the, the leaseholders in the past when the downtown was full were obviously oil and gas companies. Sure. Um, so I, w- I do think that we'll see asset owners um, start to change their strategy uh, to realize that you know we probably won't get back to the salad days and start to convert some commercial space to condos or apartments. Um, but that comes with its own risks as well. Like it's it's... I think sometimes people think, oh, we'll just turn this office building into a condo. Yeah. Those are immensely complex and expensive um, refurbishments. Like it's, it's hardly easy to do. So I think it'll be a slow drip. Um, but I think a couple of success stories, like if you see a couple of buildings um, come out of that with uh, increased asset value and, and good revenue coming in, um, right. to pay for the cost of the refurbishing, um, I think it may become a trend. Now, can you, without revealing your secret sauce or your IP, I mean, do you what play what role would would uh, the No Geo guys have in that that sort of if you're doing a, a, a re uh, repurposing? Do you have an idea, or is it just something? Yeah, so in in a situation like that, we probably don't have a ton of value at the actual repurposing level. Um, but yeah. what we can do is help to understand the market so that you know exact like you can help strategize whether or not it's a good decision so if you're looking at a singular building and you're trying to model how to like uh to refurbish it you know our technology is more for pure market intelligence so what it will do is really help you help you understand whether or not that asset you have that isn't performing is a good fit for refurbishing you know you said something interesting that like you called it a digital twin and and I read something probably last year and it was a Gardner report saying, you know, digital twins have been around for a while and it was the CAD, the CAD programs. Um, it, it sounds like you probably, your guys have some experience with CAD diagrams. Is that, is that helpful to, you know, in sort of no geo side or is it just really irrelevant? No. Yeah, it's definitely helpful. Um, and the GIS software we use, we can uh, input CAD models directly into it. Um, CAD models are one of many different file formats and tools used in the modeling and and digital twin space. Uh, We try to edge more towards um, open source software just because we are repackaging it and building it into products and we want market scalability. Right. Um, And there, there are, you know, when you start working with different file formats, just like with any type of software, it, it introduces complications. But the great thing about CAD is it is you can transfer it to other um, file formats really easily. So if, for example, um, if we want to demonstrate forecasted construction in a market, uh, what we can do is oftentimes proposed constructions have CAD files and we can take those and skin what the building will look like in our 3D city 
yeah. and be able to showcase what, for example, a neighborhood will look like in 2022, 2025, et cetera. Brilliant. Brilliant. So that sounds like city urban planners could probably use, be a benefit as well, or your product could be a benefit to the urban planners. Absolutely. That's definitely one of our future customer segments. <laughs> so let, let's, let's head to, I mean, you guys have been in operation. You said you, you kind of took a year in planning and then developing was how long was that? Like a year after that or six months, 10 months? How was yeah, that? It's, it's been just about a year since we started developing, but we're, we're live now. So, so you've launched, you're, you've launched now in the midst of, well, not in the midst, but in shortly thereafter the crisis, is it really, is it something you can gauge at this point or you're just, you're sort of seeing it as it goes? Uh, so it, we definitely felt an immediate impact um, in terms of our business development efforts. Uh, we had eight, active proposals within negotiations when everything hit Um, and the commercial real estate space has been hit really hard by this. People are not looking to make capital expenditures. Obviously Um, people are also unable to go and see buildings, even if they do need to um, make an investment. And basically everyone has taken a wait and see approach. Um, I've spoken with brokers who have had 90% of their leads uh, and active deals um, either pause or completely fall off. So it's a struggling time for our potential customers, for sure. Right. They've been acutely hit by the crisis. Um, and, you know, their main focus has probably been on clients unable to pay leases and lease breaks rather than, you know, revenue generating activities for them. Right. Uh, and it, most of the offices have implemented expense freezes. Um, and, but, well, I'm like, I'm certainly, I'm sur- sure that our prospects are, will still excitedly onboard when everything has blown over, but only time will tell. And uh, the brokerage industry is incredibly resilient and a lot of work is defined by highs and lows. So I am confident we'll all come out of this crisis ready to keep pounding the pavement. But uh, again, it's everyone's in a bit of a wait and see. Yeah. Well, to your point about pounding the pavement, I mean, it sounds like, um, you know, there's an opportunity to virtually pound the pavement. And are you, do you have any ideas that maybe you can share and things you, you would suggest to people like your companies like yourself what they can do to pound the pavement virtually? Yeah, for sure. So if you're another startup, like if you're an entrepreneur with um, uh, who's been hit hard by this, I would say the most important thing to do is ensure that you're leveraging everything put out by the federal government. Um, I think they've done a tremendous job so far of swiftly putting together programs to sustain businesses through the crisis. They've been immensely helpful. And I think the other side of it is, and I'll be completely honest here, I made a mistake uh, the first week when everyone was working from home. I, I almost operated like it was business as usual. And I made a couple cold calls and I got told, um, you know, how much of a terrible person I was for <laughs> reaching out in times like that. Uh, so I think you really need to change your sales messaging if you're trying to grow still uh, and to make sure that you're you're acknowledging what's going on in the world when you're doing this, try and be helpful. It's not the time to cold sell, reach out to your customers and try to almost rebase, understand what you're doing again, talk to them in a really low pressure situation, understand their problems. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be seeing hockey stick growth right now. So it's best to just focus on the why as opposed to trying growing. I like, I like your comments. I like your comment. You try not to sell and really, it sounds like, you know, look for the problem or understand your customer's problems and then be there as a sounding, maybe a sounding board. You know, I don't know if you ever listened to Gary Vaynerchuk and he, he, he's got a thing T with Gary V if you've heard of him mm-hmm. and you know, some things are just, you know, people are just asking questions, but some are real practical built and instead of selling at this period, it's kind of to your point, spend time branding, creating awareness, 
Uh, and at the same time, you just said it, listen to your customers' problems. And then when you come out of it, when we come out of this, we're not a hockey stick right now. I don't know. You, it's a broken hockey stick laying on the ice. <laughs> You know, it, like I've got, I've got an old coho and people ask me where, why didn't you ever, you know, I didn't, I traveled in overseas and that, that coho has got, you know, it, it never will break and it's an old fiberglass one, but so, but yeah, it's a broken hockey stick right now. It's flat. The curves until the curve really flattens um, that curve, that stick will never get picked off the ice. Yeah. Well, Jesse really, th- you know, thanks for your time today. And I, you know, I don't have, I just, you know, to share that, I thank, I thank you for giving some, some guidance and, and, you know, maybe one or two listeners will say, yeah, that, that makes sense. And um, happy to revisit this when the, when we get out, out of the curve or when we get into the, whatever, I don't know what the, I just don't know. I mean, everyone says, oh, uh, when's it going to end? And it's, you know, we're not, uh, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think, I think the government's doing, as you said, they're doing some good things and at least trying to help whether it helps or not, uh, people have to reach out to them when when it's appropriate. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it all comes back to, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Uh, I think we've been in a bull market for a really long time. And this is the first yeah. real down cycle for a lot of entrepreneurs, like myself included. Um, you know, some of the most valuable and innovative companies in the world were born during the last recession. And I don't think this time will be any different. Um, so it'll be a test of everyone's mettle, but it's not a secret that founders and leaders with that like intense tenacity and grit are often the ones who are successful. Um, yeah. So this will be a real test of everyone's gumption and ability to soldier through that adversity. And, you know, I guess finally, um, if you're a commercial brokerage needing a way to improve your digital presence while out of the office, uh, we can't help. So we are offering a, a zero dollar, no investment, um, no commitment integration for now um, just because our technology is so useful while people are living in a hundred percent digital and a hundred percent well there you world you just said it right there that that you know get the people on board onboard them for nothing you know literally just because you it's actually probably a good branding or marketing for you now uh, i love that that's a great uh, that that itself is something that people could learn from what you just said there that's brilliant yeah, we're trying to help out if we can. And if we're going to get through this and proactive actions will determine how big of a wave we can ride out of it. So physically distance, support small business, look up for each other. <laughs> Jesse, thanks, man. And have a great day. Stay safe, brother. Thanks, Late. Thanks a lot. See you.